This evening, I've, I've, I really should shorten this title, but anyway, this is what it is for now. If the fall of the Jews means blessings to the Gentiles, then how much more their fullness? I won't say that again. Romans chapter 11, verse 1 through to 36. In Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul starts by rejecting any suggestion that all of Israel, that is all of ethnic Israel, the nation of Israel, has been rejected by God. He gives himself as an example of at least one Jew who has not been rejected. Back in chapter 9 and verse 26, Paul had already said, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Isaiah said that 700 years before Jesus came into the world, that a remnant shall be saved from Israel. Now in chapter 11, Paul again declares the sovereignty of God in reserving a remnant of Israel for salvation, according to what he calls the election of grace in verse 5 of chapter 11. Paul goes on to explain that even though blindness in part has happened to Israel in accordance with prophecy, the time will nevertheless come when all Israel shall be saved, for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, God's purposes are unchangeable, and what he has said he will give, he will give. They, that is the elect Jews, the remnant, shall most certainly be brought in with the fullness of the Gentiles, the elect Gentiles. At that time, the wisdom and the goodness of God in his dealings towards both Jews and Gentiles will finally be unfolded, fully unfolded. Let's have a look at verse 1. I'm not going to go through the whole chapter verse by verse, but uh, we'll have a look at verse 1 here. I say then, have God cast away his people? God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. In chapter 10, verse 21, Paul said, But to Israel, he saith, all day long, I, that is God, have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people, a contradictory people, people who contradict and oppose God. In view of that, it might well be asked, has God rejected Israel outright? The answer to that must obviously be no, God hasn't. Paul gives himself as an example, as I've already said, of an Israelite who has not been cast away. Paul, or Saul, as he was before his conversion, was unquestionably an enemy of God, and an example of all that was wrong and is wrong with Jews. In that, as a Pharisee, when Paul was seen the Pharisee, he once sought to establish his own righteousness by works of the law, instead of receiving the righteousness of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus, who fulfilled the demands of the law in his life and by his sacrificial death, there was a time when Paul had no interest in Jesus 
and the Savior fell. He was too busy trying to put together his own righteousness, which in time to come, by the grace of God, he would come to realize that nothing more than filthy facts. Even so, Paul was a recipient of God's saving grace that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that falleth. Verses 2 and 4, 2, 2 to 4 rather. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Watch ye not, or know ye not what the scripture said of Elias, how he made it intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed thy prophets and dig down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Having given himself as an example of God not casting away all of the Jews, Paul now gives the scriptural truth. His people refers to the elect among Israel. They are the ones whom God foreknew and predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And truth that God has not completely rejected Israel and that there has always been a remnant of believing Jews can be found in 1 Kings chapter 19, which is quoted by Paul in these verses. That passage in 1 Kings chapter 19 refers to the prophet Elijah's era, which was marked by widespread unbelief and idolatry in Israel. The prophets of God were put to death and the sacred places were destroyed. One might reasonably expect the prophets of God to have interceded for the people, that's what you might expect. However, as we can see here in verse 2, the unbelief and rebellion against the Lord was so great that Elijah the prophet made intercession against the Lord. Also, Elijah prayed, I am left alone and may seek my life. You can see that in verse 3 there. The background information is that Queen Jezebel had sent a messenger to Elijah to say to him that he too would be put to death the next day if he died, just as all the other prophets had been put to death. What was, it, what was the case back in Elijah's time was still the case about 900 years later in Paul's time. In fact, if anything, the unbelief and the rebellion in Paul's time and before that against God had increased with the promised Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, being crucified and slain, put to death some 30 years before Paul wrote his epistle to the Romans. So things weren't getting better, things of anything were getting worse, and ultimately we see that at the same cross where Israel was responsible However, despite all the rebellion and unbelief of Israel, what was true in Elijah's time was true in Paul's time, and it is still true now. In Elijah's time, God had, as we see in verse 4, reserved to himself 
7,000 men who would not bow the knee to Baal. In other words, God deserved a believing vendor. Amongst all the idolatrous, unbelieving Israelites, there was that remnant of believing Jews. Elijah had felt as though he was the only one left in Israel who had, who had faith in Jehovah. However, God assured him that there were 7,000 other men, and no doubt women and children, of faith besides himself. Verses 5 and 6. Even so, then, at this present time, also there is a remnant according to the election of grace, and if by grace, then is it no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then, then is it no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. These verses bring us back to the doctrine of election, the doctrine that is taught so extensively and so plainly by the Apostle Paul. As there has always been a remnant of believing Jews, there still is, they are people chosen in eternity by God for salvation and for everlasting life. A remnant. A tiny bit. The reason that there has always been a believing remnant amongst the Jews has nothing to do with that remnant being in some way better, superior to all the other Jews. Rather, it can be entirely attributed to God who graciously chose them in eternity to be saved by his grace through faith in the Redeemer who was to come into the world and who has now laid down his life at the cross. The Bible commentator Robert Haldane pointed out that the reservation of the remnant has preserved Israel from, as I mentioned, preserved them from destruction. If it were not for the remnant throughout history, there would be no Israel. If it had not been for that remnant reserved by God, they would have disappeared just like Sodom and just like the Lord. In verse 6, the election of grace is contrasted with works of the law, yet still the doctrine of election is twisted by so many Christians who somehow imagine that God elects people, who chooses people for salvation on account of the good works that they will do when they come into the world. I've said this before, when you've got these Christians who seem to imagine that God looks along the corridor of time, whatever that means, and then he saw that so-and-so and so-and-so would do wonderful things when they come into the world. And so he chose them to be saved. Well, that would be close, would it? That would not be close at all. It would be worse. The idea is dismissed in verse 6, which tells us that if by grace, then it is no more of works. Works has got nothing to do with it. Let me say as clearly as I can that God's choice of people for salvation has nothing whatsoever to do with what they end up doing or not doing when they come into the world. It is all about God's purpose and His grace. Full stop. 
Another one of the passages in which Paul plainly teaches that salvation is by grace alone and not of works is in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. In those verses, Paul says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so there be no one in heaven boasting and saying, I knew God would save me. I did such wonderful things when I was in the world. Helping old ladies across the road, feeding the neighbor's cat when she went on holiday. There be none of that. And there be no one saying, well, I kept God's law. Every single commandment. You know, if you know anything about the human heart and you understand anything about the scriptures, Anyone who claims to have kept God's law is a big liar. No person in heaven all. It is by grace we are saved through faith. It's not of himself, it's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Similarly, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9, who said, God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, that holy and effectual, that irresistible call when you, when you became a Christian. When God drew you with loving kindness to his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So you called, God called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's all there, isn't it? 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. It couldn't be clearer whether we are talking about Jews or Gentiles for that matter. The believing remnant were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. That's you, dear Christian. You were chosen to be saved, not according to works of the law, but according to God's purpose and His grace. I don't know what's so difficult about that to understand. But so many Christians seem to struggle with it. Let's have a look at verse 7. What then? Israel have not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election have obtained it, and the rest were blinded. And what have I got in my center margin there? Or hardened. Same thing. Blinded or hardened. So the remnant of Israel, at any given time in Israel's history, obtained the righteousness of God, which is by faith, in the finished work of Christ. The remnant before Jesus came into the world, they were saved by faith in the Saviour who was to come into the world, the promised Messiah, promised in Old Testament scriptures. As for the rest of them, the ones who are not the remnant, the vast majority of Israel, they were blinded or hardened by God as people who sought, sought the righteousness that is by works of the law and not by faith in Jesus. The Scottish theologian Robert Haldane, in his commentary on Romans, said, How strong is this language? How can it be softened by the most subtle ingenuity so as to make it agreeable to the taste of the natural man? The elect had received the righteousness of God through faith 
top yet through Jesus Christ, that the whole nation besides not only did not attain to the righteousness of which they were in search, but they were blinded. This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? It is God's saying, and it is unsafe to reject it. It is the duty of his people as little children to receive it with weakness. This might be a good time to remind ourselves of the circumstances of the blinding of his vow. Just look back at chapter 10, verse 21, where it is written, But to Israel he said, that is God said, All day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. That's anything but a testimony or a testimony of God towards Israel, is it? It's an indictment on them. A very serious indictment on Israel. That disobedience and obstinacy of Israel has been seen in the killing of the prophets and it culminated in the rejection and the killing of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Jews' rejection of Jesus despite his miracles and their being blinded by God are spoken of in the Gospel. In John chapter 12, verse 37 to 40. It's all there. Let me just read these verses to you. John chapter 12, verse 37 through to 40, where it is written, But though he, that is Jesus, had done so many miracles before them, that is the Jews, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He had blinded their eyes, and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. In those words, the Apostle John shows that the blinding of Israel was the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. And let's be very clear, that blinding was from God. God blinded Israel. Why did he blind them? That they and harden their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, not understand with their heart, and be converted. Well, have a look at verses 8 through to 11. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David said, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a rock and pence unto them. Let their eyes be darkened, that they may not see, and bow down their back always. I say then, have they stumbled, that they should fall? God forbid, but rather to their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles, for to provoke them to jealousy. As the Apostle John quoted the prophet Isaiah in John chapter 12, so too does Paul in verse 8. And also he quotes the psalmist David in verse 9 to show that God has blinded Israel, which has stumbled at the stumbling stone, 
stumbling stone and his name is Jesus. To Israel's stumbling and their being blinded, salvation's been opened up to the Gentiles. That's not to say that Gentiles were not saved before. If you study the Bible carefully and look at the genealogies of Jesus, Gentiles have always been saved. But, if you like, the gates of heaven were opened by with the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Through Israel's stumbling and their being blinded, salvation being opened up to the Gentiles, which in turn will provoke Israel to jealousy. It has already been seen in chapter 10, verse 19, that about 1500 years earlier, Moses said much the same thing. As shall be seen, the salvation of Gentiles will cause the Jews to no longer be able to hide from themselves the reality that salvation and justification are by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. When they see Gentiles, Gentiles who did not have the law coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, Gentiles who did not have even the privilege of Israel, and that's not taken away from the importance of those privileges, the covenant that God made with Israel. And, and we need to understand that God has not finished with Israel by any stretch of the imagination. But you can imagine Israel when they see um, Jews seeing Gentiles coming to a genuine saving point in the Lord Jesus Christ. That can make them think about things. And that is God's plan all along. By the grace of God, the Jews will be obliged to consider their ways to repent and to receive Jesus and believe on his name. We see this to be the case in various Old Testament prophecies. One that I saw probably very soon after I became a Christian, uh, tucked away Hosea chapter 3 verses 4 and 5, tucked away in the Old Testament there. Let me read these verses to you. Prophecy of Hosea, chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, where it is written, For the children of Israel shall abide many days without a king, and without a prince, and without a sacrifice, and without an image, and without an ephod, and without teraphim. Afterward shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord their God, and David their king, David was long dead by this time, David their king is clearly the Lord Jesus Christ. They would come and seek the Lord their God and the Lord Jesus Christ, and shall fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. We are in the latter days, the latter days, ever since the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world and laid down his life at the cross. We've been in the latter days. An everyday illustration of what has happened to Israel might be a father bestowing favour on a child of his, who in turn rejects that kindness, and so the father turns his attention to another one of his children, and then the first child wants what the other child has received. Let's have a look at 12 to 15. 
Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? For I speak to you, Gentiles, inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. If by any means I may provoke to emulation to jealousy, them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but love from the dead? These verses dismiss any idea that salvation blessing towards the Gentile nations are dependent on a never-ending blinding of the Jews and and, uh, a casting away of the Jews. That's far from the case. In fact, the opposite is true. Even greater blessings will reach the Gentiles if the grace of God falls upon Israel again. Even though Paul was himself an Israelite, his God-given ministry was to reach the Gentiles with the gospel of Christ, which is the power of God unto salvation, and Paul knew that it was in the interest of the Gentiles that the Jews be restored. That, is, that as more and more Jews come to see what's happening with the Gentiles and they, 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 they provoke to jealousy, uh, we've seen that in, in various places, in ch- chapter 10, verse 19, but I did look at verse 19 in chapter 10, chapter 19, but, sorry, chapter 10, verse 19, but I say, did not Israel know, first Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. That's happening now, in the latter days, the Jews being provoked to jealousy see the Gentiles coming to faith in Jesus and that in itself is good for the Gentiles. That is a that is a source of further blessing uh, on the Gentiles. This is what's being said here. Even greater gospel blessings reaching the Gentiles. Also and not surprisingly Paul the Apostle to the Gentiles desired to be an instrument of God to provoke jealousy amongst his countrymen, the Jews, in order that some might be saved. Not all of them, some might be saved. For some would be a remnant according to the election of the grace. It's always the remnant according to the election of grace that will ultimately be saved in their sins. Verses 16 through to 24, we read this one. And um, this, this, take it from verse 16. For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and now being the wild olive tree, were grafted in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree, boast not against the branches. Tell them that the. Um, He's telling the Gentiles now not to be proud and boastful towards the Jews because they've been drafted in. But if thou boast, on verse 18, verse 18, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root be. 
Thou'lt say then that branches were broken off that I might be grafted. Well, because of unbelief, they were broken off. And thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. Is that a warning to all of us Gentiles in here? Not to be high-minded, not to be proud, not to be boastful, but to fear. For if God spared not the natural branches, take thee, lest he also spare not thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt thou also shalt be cut off. And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, back to the Jews here, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these, the Jews, which be the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? If the first fruit of the harvest is consecrated to God, so too is the entire harvest. The first fruit, you consecrate that to God, and then when you, 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 when you receive the harvest, that is a gift that you can consider that as a gift from God, because if the whole thing is consecrated to God, and then what you have for yourself is a gift from God. Therefore, the lump or the massive dough can be considered a gift from God, and therefore it can be considered holy. Likewise, if the root of a tree is holy, in verse 16, so too is the rest of the tree. Verse 16, in verse 16, the allusion is to the patriarch, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are represented by the first fruit of the harvest, and the root of the tree. As such, the lump or the dough and the branches represent Israel. And in verse 17, 3 to 24, Paul gives a warning to the Gentile believers not to be high-minded towards the Jews, not to look down on them. The Gentiles have been grafted into the olive tree as wild branches, and just as unbelieving Jews have been broken off even though they were the natural branches of the tree, the same thing most certainly happened to the Gentiles. Therefore, there really is no room for closely amongst the Gentiles. Last of all, we'll consider verses 25 and 26. For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part it is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away the ungodliness from Jacob. Paul now speaking to all believers in Rome, Jews and Gentiles alike, does not want them to be unaware of a truth that would not have been known had God himself not endured it. That's why he says there, I would not, brethren, that you should be 